0: you could name one thing that people really want out of life what would it be
1: I think they want to be set free
0: set free
1: Mm -hmm. I think they want to be set free from what binds them huh and I don't think we can become fully alive if we aren't willing to let go of the things that bind us and in my experience I'm always unbound by grace like it's yes, it requires some effort and intention on my part, and I can't get myself over the line by myself.
0: So we're in the book of Acts chapters 12 and 13, and we're taking a little different look, I think. Not a different look, I should say, but we're we're certainly taking a deeper look at some of the inner dynamics going on in these pages
1: yeah definitely and i i found it really fun
0: it was so much fun and revealing revealing yeah yeah and i and i hope others find it fun and revealing too yeah What does it mean to be set free?
1: Well, I mean, there are lots of people in the Bible who are set free. And, but are you, so are you asking me to talk about that? Are you asking me to talk about personal experience of being set free?
0: I thought on this podcast we did both.
1: We do. We do do both. We do do both.
0: So I think it's all fair game.
1: Okay. So why don't we start with Peter? No. <laughs> you're lucky to be me. I'm like, are we playing baseball? I don't know. What are, what's the signal you're giving me? That was me?
0: not the head shake.
1: No. No. Okay. Peter. Peter.
0: Peter gets set free by getting. He's in jail. He's in jail and he gets whacked by the angel
1: struck struck by the, struck
0: I, I i think the uh greek translation is whack
1: whacked okay well yeah. whatever it is <laughs> he experiences um the angel making contact with him <laughs> making, probably in a way that causes some making pain
0: contact with his body yes and and the angel did not say notice the feelings and sensations in your body
1: well maybe in a way he did <laughs> he says rise up quickly then the chains fall away from his hands. And so then he he's led out of jail, even though there are guards all around him. Like it totally beats the odds. Yeah. And even in the experience, um, I love this part. Peter says he did not realize that what was going on with the angel was real. But he thought he was seeing a vision.
0: Thought he was seeing a vision.
1: I mean, and that would have been wild, right? Like in a vision where you're actually moving... But, oh, yeah. I wonder and, what that would have felt like in his body. And,
0: well, and you feel like you get struck by the angel right. in your dream?
1: Well, but haven't I mean, you had he, dreams like that where though you feel you wake up and you feel like you've lived it? I like you've been walking around, you've been talking, like sometimes I'm exhausted when <laughs> I
0: wake up from a dream. I don't know if I um sure. I'm not I'm trying to think. Have I ever felt like somebody hit me?
1: I don't know. I don't know if I felt like somebody hit me in a dream, although I don't—I wouldn't rule it out. (laughs) I mean, that maybe has happened. Can can we back up? Yeah, let's back up.
0: Because in order for Peter Peter to get in jail, he has to get arrested. And what was what fascinates me is the opening of um, chapter twelve. Is that so? Herod begins by killing off James. Yeah. Right. Poor James. Poor James. Poor James. And in verse three of Acts, it says, "Seeing this was pleasing to the Judeans."
1: I know that just breaks my heart.
0: So killing James made everybody happy,
1: right? And oh, so, so let's do more.
0: So let's arrest Peter now. Yeah. Because
1: let's so take it to the next level.
0: Let's take it to the next level. And and again, it's during the days of unleavened bread and prayers being offered up for Peter once he gets imprisoned and and then that's when the angel of the Lord descends upon him so we get the angel because everybody's praying for Peter
1: yeah yes
0: i, I think i think we 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 can overlook that and when Peter's released
1: so ev- you think everybody's
0: people- still praying
1: I know, no, I know. I love it. I circle prayer in both those parts. But do you think this is cause and effect? I mean, do you mm. think that the, the angel came because of the prayer? I mean, that's kind of what you said. Is that what you mean?
0: No, not what I mean, because I, I don't really believe in cause and effect.
1: I know. So, like, flesh that out a little bit.
0: Yeah, yeah. I, I do think that God responds when we pray. Mm -hmm. And it's not a cause-effect relationship.
1: I pray for this. Jesus gives me this.
0: Yeah. So they're they're not praying for um, Peter to get a new chariot.
1: Right. Right.
0: (laughs) Peter's been thrown into prison and they're praying for who knows what. Right. My hunch is that they're just praying for his life. Yeah. And so the reason I think it's important and it's not cause and effect is if they're Arduently praying in the way that we've learned that we are to do here in the book of Acts, they're just praying. They're just praying. Pray-
1: on, they, and it does say they're praying on his behalf. So we do know that they are praying specifically for, specifically
0: Peter. for, but not for an outcome.
1: Right, right, right. So it's maybe they're praying for Peter, for God's will to be done. Yeah. And who knows what, what that is. And of course, not even in their wildest dreams do they imagine this.
0: Maybe. Maybe there's somebody on the other line saying, would you send an, a- an angel to beat Peter over the head? Yeah, and break <laughs> him out of jail. Wake him up and break him out of jail. Right. Maybe there's somebody saying
1: that. It I don't could know. be. It could, could be. be.
0: But I don't think so.
1: I don't think so either. Because all, otherwise, um, when Peter is actually free and starts knocking on the door... I don't think they'd have any doubt. They'd be like, oh, our prayers were answered. Yeah. It's Peter. It must be Peter at the door.
0: So so that's what I think is going on with their prayers and the angel. If there's a relationship between the two, mm-hmm. it's definitely not cause and effect. Mm-hmm. But I also wouldn't want to separate the people praying to God on Peter's behalf right. and the visitation of the angel.
1: I wouldn't want to separate those either. Yeah. Right. And So it's not cause and effect, and yet somehow... They are bound together,
0: right? And if we really think about prayer as this ongoing dialogue with God, mm-hmm. that that the whole all of creation is caught up in, mm-hmm. the the prayers and the angel are part of that dialogue with God. Yeah. And so, in instead of looking at oh. it as going, yeah, okay, we pray, the angel comes. Mm-hmm. We we begin to recognize prayer as prayer is happening. Mm-hmm. We're 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 participating in it mm-hmm. in the same in in a similar manner that the angel is participating in this grand dialogue with God, mm-hmm. and all of us are caught up in it. Yeah, the angel, the people, Peter, even Herod,
1: mm-hmm.
0: and then. We get to the mistaken vision, Peter being struck, Mm -hmm. chains are loosed, he's set free, and then it's my favorite part of the story.
1: Okay, go for it.
0: He comes to the gate where they're all gathered praying, Mm -hmm. and Rhoda sees him, Mm -hmm. and says, Peter! And Peter says, "Shh." shh! And then she goes, oh yeah, yeah, okay. And she runs off to tell the others and leaves Peter standing outside. Mm-hmm. I love that part. <laughs> <laughs> that she leaves him? Well, she's so excited. She's so that excited. That he's there like, oh, we've been praying that God would do something. Yeah. And here you are. Mm-hmm. And...
1: and she, she leaves him there.
0: And then she leaves him right there because she's so excited to tell everybody that Peter's outside.
1: Yeah.
0: That it never dawns on her to let Peter inside.
1: Right. I mean whoops
0: whoops <laughs> but how we all know people like Rhoda don't we
1: Yeah I mean I think I can be a Rhoda sometimes <laughs> if I'm honest I just get so wrapped up in my own excitement and enthusiasm that mm-hmm. yeah leave people at the gate
0: <laughs> <laughs> Leave people at the gate Yeah Oh I'm so glad you're home and, and Let me go tell everybody And we and we drive home without them Yes <laughs> That's Rhoda That's Rhoda That's Rhoda Everybody has a Rhoda in their life
1: I mean, come on! I think we could all have
0: Rhoda <laughs> moments. I I think so.
1: Some of us may be more Rhoda than others, but mm, yeah, Saint Rhoda, Saint Rhoda. <laughs> yeah, good. Okay, but so then they they of course are having a hard time um, believing the Rhoda, and I love this. It says, "Oh, you're raving," and then it's which, just, no, which no, no, is no. probably
0: something Rhoda
1: was prone to was prone to. And then, she, but she insists emphatically that it was so. And then, they, and they're like, they still know. They're like, oh, it's his angel, right? Like they're coming up with all these mm-hmm. things that could be.
0: Rather than going to the door.
1: Rather than going to the <laughs> door and, and just seeing what is. Yeah. But Peter, he just keeps on knocking. He re, I mean, he's maybe has had a, other encounters with Rhoda. He knows she'll come back eventually. And so when they opened up they saw Peter and they're amazed and he gestures with his hand for them to be Shh, be silent and he tells them how the Lord had led him out of the prison and so so he gets to then tell them you know how um how God sent the angel and how the angel set him free amidst yeah. all the all the chances that he wasn't going to be set free there were so many obstacles. I mean, there were so many guards and doors and locks and chains. I mean, it totally beat the odds that he got he got out of there. So it could only have been of of God's will. Mm-hmm. And so then we start hearing about Herod again. Back to good old Herod.
0: Back to Herod, who's trying to trying to make things happen for himself.
1: He is. I mean, and he's really. Um, um, motivated by what pleases other people. I mean, just like you said at the beginning, you know, when he killed James and people were so pleased and he just, it just pushed him further, which I think is human nature. Um, and then he has this, he's feeling hostile. Um, but it says here, but they came to him in a united spirit and having won over the Royal Chamberlain Blastus, they sued for peace so, I mean, you have, you have masses of people, right, mm-hmm. engaging Herod. And then he, re- he relates to them based on the masses. But, but here again, hey, but then look, we have another angel appear. And, in, and this angel strikes a blow to Herod this time. And why? Because he did not give glory to God. But this, this one doesn't, this one,
0: you, you left, our, you left out my favorite part of this.
1: Oh, what is it? No, no, I was getting there.
0: Oh, okay. Go ahead.
1: I was getting there. I don't want to, that he's devoured by worms and oh he God. expires. And what's, what struck me this morning when I was thinking about this was, you know, Herod in his death is set free and, and maybe it was mm. the only way he was going to be set free.
0: Well, say more about that. What what strikes you that Herod's being set free, that wasn't going to happen
1: in the present life? Well, I think that there was just this continuous reluctance, resistance to not align with God and to persecute God's people mm. And so, so the only way in this instance to be set free was to pass on into eternal life Hmm. and to find union with God there. Because
0: it seems like Herod didn't have a sense of who he was. Mm -hmm. Right. And... Because he's so swayed by the mob,
1: right, right,
0: and whichever way, whether they wanted peace or death, he was willing to go in either direction right and and it just seems like he just had no awareness of who he was as a person in God in God or just just at all right and and so maybe, maybe you're right, yeah. Maybe that was his freedom. That was I mean, I don't know. Free.
1: I, I don't know if it was or not, but, but it certainly was something I was pondering this morning. And, um, yeah, so it just has me thinking about how we are, I, th- I think that God is after our being set free. I mean, and I don't think we think about that so much in the church, um, and, and I think it's something I I want really want to think about from and well I, and I have been thinking about it but I want to think about it some more, but I want us to think about too as a body of Christ like the call upon our lives, as disciples of Christ like following Jesus on the way. I think that there is something about that um, that is connected with being set free from what binds us. I mean, I, of course, you know, I go back in my mind to. Lazarus I love that story of the raising of Lazarus and you know he is still bound mm. um, when he walks out of the tomb and Jesus um, you know he could have had those the, all of that just fall off of him in the tomb mm-hmm. and he he walks out without any more binding and that's actually what I would expect to happen yeah but he walks out and he still has all that binding on him which I think metaphorically is so interesting and in Jesus himself could have walked over but that's not what Jesus does he looks at the crowd and he says unbind him, set him free. and set him free yeah right and so i think that there is a way in which that i mean we we are set free in God and oftentimes it happens in community yeah so there's something about, you know, being in dialogue with one another, this whole seeing each other, witnessing each, each other, really hearing the essence of each other, mm. that is part of how we are set free.
0: You know, I mean, as you were talking, the, what what kept coming to mind is when Jesus says, what you we bind on earth will be bound in heaven, what you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And and I always think about how how we have a tendency to bind ourselves in the binding of others. Say more. Say more. Uh, well, um, well, Jesus is directly talking about forgiveness whenever he's saying this, and I and I know it from my own experience that when I have struggled to forgive someone Mm -hmm. something they've done. Mm -hmm. I'm the one bound by it. Yeah. Right. Right. But I think that's applicable to across the board. Mm -hmm. You know, the the things that we hold over others, it's what, it's what's holding us back.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So You know, I've been thinking a lot about this, too, in relationship to my sermon from this past Sunday and thinking about how Viola Davis talks about the hero's journey, Mm. um, which she she learned uh, from Joseph Campbell. And, you know, she relates her own story through her memoir of her own hero's journey. And and it really is a journey of being set free um and you know so like for all of us i just wonder you know what are we what are we being called to be what what inside of us needs to be set free so i'll give an example for myself so when i was i don't know maybe 9 10 11 years old i w- became very aware that that i was a worrier and I was like, I I think I worry more than other people. Like there was this some awareness of like, I've got this different level of worry huh. than other people. And I didn't like it, right? Like I didn't like the way it felt. Not so much that I was worrying more than other people, but but I didn't like the way it felt in my being. And so like since that age, I've I've just been I don't know. I've gone through all these different things of what I think of it as like running research on myself. (laughs) And like, I'm always my own.
0: You always, you're like a a self-laboratory. I am a
1: self-laboratory. I know. And it (laughs) it makes life fun and interesting and engaging. And it's full of the Holy Spirit because I think the Spirit's been in in just everything. In fact, I feel like she has prompted me to all these different things. Hmm. And and I, and I have found the spirit in all of these things. Um, it's been incredibly a life-giving journey. So I would think, you know, it's interesting, like even, you know, I just had another birthday and, you know, so even where I am now, I'm like, I can look back and go, oh, I've come so far Mm. in from that 10 year old, nine year old self of, of worrying all the time. And yet it is still, it is still the thing that binds me probably more than anything else is fear. And it not kind of like worry so much as it is just fear. And, and I will still at times be like seized by fear. And so it's this, you know, I used to get kind of angry and upset, like, when am I going to be just totally freed of this, this thing that binds me? yeah right. It's like I understand where it comes from in my childhood and I've done all that work and I've you know I have all these spiritual practices and I can see that I've progressed. And you know there's there's something so humbling about the realization that this is the very thing that has kept me most tethered to God.
0: Okay, so the the worrying?
1: Yes. So in my awareness of the worrying, it's when, when it arises, I go, Oh, I'm trying to, I'm in my will somehow.
0: So it's been a way for you to actually lean into it and harness that awareness and, and draw closer to God because, because you know that you're worrying.
1: I know that I'm worrying, and I and I know that, you know, whatever um, spiritual practice I use, mental health practice I use, whatever, and I got a lot of tools in my tool belt at this point. But whatever I use, ultimately, it's grace that sees me through. Mm-hmm. Right. So it's it's never I can never rely on the tool for the tool's sake. It's always allowing the tool to be the way in which I engage God, the spirit and now Jesus. Yeah. Um, it's the way in which they like take my hand and kind of pull me through. Hmm. But but it's always a surrender. Right. Mm. So so it, it it's been this way in which it keeps me. So engaged, so like I like I said, tethered mm-hmm. to the source, yeah, right. Like it's it's like it's the weakness in my vessel, and um, but it's also then when I rely on God, it's how I'm made strong.
0: Well, it sounds. I mean, not to put words in your mouth, but it sounds like it becomes a prompting.
1: It, it re- becomes a prompting to go. Where's your heart? Orient where's your heart.
0: Where, where's your heart? And and also, I mean what. I just think it's it's a prompting to go to to be in dialogue with God.
1: Yeah, absolutely.
0: And and what a what a, what a wonderful way to see um, what we so um experience as our weaknesses mm-hmm. as promptings, like inner promptings. <laughs> it's sort of like God saying we need we need some more time together.
1: Yeah, exactly. Exactly. So, so the part of, I mean, there's so much in, I mean, Viola Davis and I had very, very, we've had very different lives. And yet there's so many places in her book where I so deeply resonate. And so even though at the end of the book, she articulates this story of being nine years old, and there's this, it's this moment where she realizes, oh gosh, God did take me, right? Mm -hmm. Like that. Like I did orient my heart and every bad thing that happened afterwards, I was still, but I was still somehow set free in God, Yeah. right? So it's not to say that you're set free and then nothing bad ever happens to you or that um, life becomes like some kind of easy street. It's that every time something bad happens or some life gets arduous or, um, you do, you're just more aware of the tether Hmm. and, and it, it orients you in, um, in a different kind of way. And it pulls you, I think, I I guess I could say for myself, it pulls me into dialogue more quickly through my life. I've been able to see, Oh, um, as things happen, I, I go into dialogue more quickly with a loving God instead of trying to like figure it all out by myself as I tried to do as a child with my little asthmatic lungs, you know? <laughs> Just trying to, like, blow that... blow the sail of the the boat of life by myself. And I'm like, I'm not supposed to be the wind. That's the Holy Spirit, you know? Like, sit down. <laughs> sit down with your little asthmatic lungs. Let the Spirit do her job.
0: <laughs> and and how wonderful, though, to for that to become a prompting to... Reorient, reengage, attend more closely to God, and and not spiral. Yeah. And not spiral and, and orient toward the anxiety.
1: Right, right. And, and in that way, um, I have the experience of being set free.
0: So um, can we linger here for a minute? Sure. Because one of the things that I think... At least in my own experience, what seems to make me spiral is is that I don't actually attend to what I'm worried about.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Rather, I'm just I start looking for solutions. Yes. I tr- I start trying to fix it
1: mm-hmm.
0: rather than be with what's causing my anxiety. Yes. And and what I hear you saying is. You're prompted to hold that in dialogue with God.
1: Yes, and I will. I'll just share honestly. The hard part of that is then I have to actually be with myself. I mean, I can trust that God's there. Yeah, but I have to. That part's a little. It makes it a little bit more easy. Well, it makes it easier, but it's it. It doesn't. It doesn't feel easy.
0: Well, and that's why we we're so prone to fix things yeah. because well fix, fix. Right. Right. In our, in our attempts to solve or, um, remove whatever the anxiety is, I don't ever have to be with me.
1: Mm hmm. Mm hmm.
0: Right. Right. I, I do this and then I'm, and I enjoy the momentary relief. Yeah. Yeah. Uh,
1: For me, when I, when I get, when I spiral and I, um, when I spiral, I and I've learned a lot about this from from neuroscience, kind of like what that's about, but um spiral and then my natural tendency always before, like you said, about fixing, I actually am very in the neurosciences, I'm very intentional, not just me, everyone is about reaching outside of self. Mm. So instead of staying with self, you reach to an external resource, yeah, right? Yeah. Like, so if I can just change this person over here, if I can, well, a little bit like Harriet, if I can please somebody over here, or I can kind of appease something over here, um, then it calms down whatever's going on inside of me. But again, I haven't had to be with what's going on inside of me.
0: yeah,
1: and And I've made no room for the divine. To be with me or breathe through me. Yeah, yeah.
0: And and you're right. I mean, this is why I I wonder about Herod because he he doesn't have any. He's not sitting with himself at all. Yeah, he has, he lacks a complete awareness of that um, that there's anything else going on within him. And he's missing out on that. He, these are not promptings for him <laughs> to, to engage with God in dialogue, to engage the spirit in dialogue.
1: And, and But what's fascinating, though, is they absolutely could be. Yeah. Right? I mean, these are not so far off mm-hmm. from everybody else in scriptures right. when they turn towards God, when they're pierced in the heart, and they go, what do I need to do? Yeah. Right? But Herod keeps not doing that. Yeah, His heart, his heart is not pierced, which means he never asked the question, what do I do now, God? There's no orienting towards God. And so he just keeps making these like blasphemous moves.
0: Yeah. With no awareness of no awareness how it's affecting him, how it's affecting everybody around him. It's just, it's fixing.
1: It's fixing. Yeah.
0: Wow. Set free.
1: Set free. Okay, so let's move on to um, (laughs) something else I want to talk about today.
0: What what would you like to talk about else today?
1: What else would I like to talk about today? (laughs) I'd like to talk about um, how Saul, who we're going to call Paul now, Mm -hmm. is filled with the Holy Spirit, and, and he gazes at... How do we say we're going to pronounce this name? <laughs> Elemus. Elemus. He gazes at Elemus, and he says, Oh, you, full of all the deceit and of all villainy, mm. son of the slanderer, whoa, enemy of all righteousness. Them, You're like, oh, my gosh, what's about to happen?
0: Them's fighting words right there.
1: Yeah, these are some fighting words. Will you not cease twisting the Lord's straight past crooked? And now see the Lord's hand upon you and you will be blind, not seeing the sun for a season. And so, you know, what I find fascinating about this is Saul, who now we're going to call Paul, Mm -hmm. um, he had been blind. Yeah. Just for three days, not a whole season, but.
0: And evidently saw the benefits of it.
1: Right. Right. So, In a way, it's like, oh, my gosh, this is going to be such a punishment, Mm -hmm. right? You kind of like, I have fear arise in my chest. (laughs) and But this is going to be a turning point, Mm -hmm. right? And and Paul knows that. Yeah. So oftentimes I think what we can perceive as punishment is really a way in which we are being reoriented. Yeah. Yeah.
0: And... As Paul needed, it seemed like Elemas needed to become blind to realize his blindness. Mm
1: -hmm. So that he could actually see.
0: So that he could see. You know, I've been um, watching the Obi-Wan Kenobi series on um, Star Wars on Disney. Yeah. And and Obi-Wan, I can't remember what episode it is now, I think it's four, it says... Um, he may be repeating words from from his his master. I don't recall, but he said, um, "Close your eyes, and then you'll be able to see." Mm-hmm. And and I love those reminders that we get in in um, movies and and shows like Star Wars. That um, that just subtly remind us mm-hmm. these these small little reminders that what you see with your eyes is not all there is to see.
1: Mm-hmm. Well, it's always been one of my favorite parts of meditation mm. is is closing your eyes or casting them down. And as one meditation, meditation teacher says, so that you can see more clearly the inner landscape. Yeah. Right? And so oftentimes we have to drop a sense for a while in order to heighten um, other senses.
0: Well, and something that... Um i've I've known for a while, but I feel like I'm really beginning to get it and this is the whole business of imagination mm. and how much our faculty of imagination constricts and opens our ability to see with or without our eyes
1: mm-hmm.
0: and i and I feel like um what we keep continue to see unfolding here in the book of acts this movement of the spirit on in with through people it really is transforming their hearts yes but in in doing so their imaginations are being transformed and and they just begin to see possibilities begin to see Things that nobody else can see.
1: Mm-hmm. And, and don't you think, though, that imagination is housed in the heart?
0: Of course, and I and I think that's the um, the great challenge for us today, as it has been for so many generations. That because we're we're so often in our head, our imaginations can only um, guide us toward what is rational and Sort of reasonable, given the constraints of what's all around us, right, whereas the heart helps us to imagine the possibilities of life that are constantly made new and made available when we when we set simply as you were talking about earlier, when we surrender
1: mm-hmm.
0: and and create something new together. Mm-hmm. We don't get constrained by wh- how things have been done, what is currently the case. Rather, we begin to look at everything new. Mm-hmm. And and by looking at everything newly, we're able to create something new, something that's more life-giving than, than it otherwise could have been. And, and I think that's the... Um one of the things that um we see happening here with Elemus and again Paul's basically sharing his experience right. and and doing so in a way that um is is helping him see beyond the darkness. Mm-hmm. It, you know, it's funny you were talking about um worry mm-hmm. earlier and and I'm, I've never really thought of myself as someone who worries and, and really I'm not. Um, and but some I was, I was newly working in the church many years ago, about 20 years ago. And, and I was just, I was going, um, at the speed of lightning. I was doing all kinds of things, running myself ragged. I didn't think I was. Mm-hmm. And, And the priest that I was working for, he, he said to me one day, he said, you know, you're doing good work. You don't need to prove yourself anymore. Mm. And I thought, I haven't been trying to prove myself. (laughs) I'm just doing the work. But I, but I'll, I'll circle back to that sometimes because I began sitting with that am i trying to prove myself mm-hmm. and and sometimes it lurks up on me and i and i don't think of myself as needing to prove myself and and then it catches me every once in a while and i have to stop and go wait a minute is that a moment mm-hmm. when i'm i'm trying to prove myself mm-hmm. And, and it does. It's, I think it's one of those things like worry. It's something that, um, I have to continually keep in check and, and I didn't, and I was still young. I mean, I was in my early twenties and so I probably had not done enough to realize, um, that I had been trying to prove myself. So I give myself a little grace there. Um, and it's still a kind of blindness. Mm. Anytime, anytime something's lurking and I'm not willing to look at it and notice it. And and for me, I think it's one of those things that I have to continually kind of close my eyes and see if it's, if it's lurking somewhere.
1: Because mm-hmm. it's definitely something that likes to hang out in the blind spot. 'Cause it has a lot more power in the blind spot.
0: Well, yeah, of course. Mhm. And and if I can name it for myself mm-hmm. and when someone names it for me and actually listen, that can be that can be a touch harder sometimes. Yeah, yeah. Um, but if I can, then I don't have to feel bad about it. Right. I can just work through it mm-hmm. and sort of See where I might need to amend things, do things better, give a little more attention to it in the moment.
1: I so appreciate though that about you that that when that you don't have to feel bad about it. Yeah, like that's your natural tendency. <laughs> your natural tendency is to go, huh? Look at that. Let's kind of mull that over, turn it around like a crystal, see it from different angles, and you know do something about it. That's that hasn't been my tendency. Mm. I've had to learn my way there. My natural tendency growing up and, and through my adult life, and it's really really something I've had to work on, it's been something that's had to be unbound yeah. by grace, is um, if, I, if I see it, whether someone else names it for me or I see it for myself, the, the first impulse is shame. Mm. Like, oh, this is going to be something that makes me unworthy of love and belonging. Huh. Yeah. Like, that's the first bounce. And then, you know, it used to be I would never get past that first bounce. (laughs) I'd get so spirally around just the shame that I'd never deal with what was actually needing to be dealt with. Mm. And so I could then, you know, you get bound up in the shame, which, you know, a lot of us do. But it's been so freeing. Mm. to just be able to start seeing things where you just naturally see them. (laughs) Um, and But it did, it took a lot of work to deal with that shame piece so that I could just see something, again, regardless of whether someone else was naming it for me or for myself. And I will say that still sometimes my my first bounce as I can feel it in my body is this kind of bracing around shame. But then I can work with that really quickly and easily most of the time, not always, and then be able to and then be able to work with what's actually at hand,
0: yeah well, and there's a long history of b- that kind of encouragement to feel that shame,
1: oh, sure, and I think that the church has been monstrous <laughs> in how it has encouraged shame,
0: yeah, for sure, and um the church kind of came by it honestly how so well so um, not to skip over too much but um, in the towards the end of chapter 13 of oh, the book of acts of oh, the book of acts yeah we're we're back. We're, we're talking about scripture today um, so Paul and uh, Barnabas are speaking to the Jews and 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 he says in verse 46, both Paul and Barnabas, speaking boldly said, it was necessary for God's word to be spoken to you first mm-hmm. since you reject it and pass judgment on yourselves as being not worthy of the life of the age to come.
1: Whoa, we do come by it, honestly. That's a long, long lineage of I mean, passing judgment on ourselves and finding ourselves not to be worthy of becoming fully alive.
0: Yeah. And, and don't you think, um, and I've always thought this ever since I really began reflecting on this matter of self judgment and unworthiness, it's our way of controlling God.
1: Yeah. I think that that's a really good way to put it.
0: Because if I am not worthy, Mm -hmm. then I, then I've got something on God, right? Right. Because not even God can make me worthy.
1: Mm-hmm. Right?
0: right. And, and it, and it's so much, it's so bound up with our need to control, with our need to, in this backward way, save our life.
1: Mm-hmm. In this backward way of save our life. Save our own lives. Save our own lives. Rather than allowing ourselves to surrender and to be saved by God.
0: To be saved. To be. To be received. Yeah. To be um, seen as worthy. And and knowing that it's the being seen that makes us worthy.
1: Oh, say more about that. It's the being seen that makes us worthy.
0: Yeah, because our worthiness is all bound up with God. It's all about who God is, mm-hmm. not who I am.
1: Right. Well, then why does God need to see us?
0: It's It's not... God doesn't need to see us. We
1: I'll, need to be seen by God in our fullness.
0: Absolutely. To be
1: convinced of our worthiness.
0: Not to be convinced. So, um... So I'm I'm not accustomed to talking about this dynamic in this way so this is this is fun. It's we are made worthy in being seen by God. God doesn't need us to feel seen. God doesn't need to see us to be God. And being seen by God is what enables us to um, experience our own aliveness, and it it does take a little work on our part to orient that way, mm-hmm. and 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 receive <laughs> receive our being seen, as it were. And I I think when we do that, when we open ourselves to being seen and learn to receive ourselves as seen by God.
1: Fully leaving nothing out. We've siphoned nothing off. We, in our fullness of just how we are, not trying to change anything.
0: We realize that we've already been set free. Mm
1: -hmm. It's about living into that.
0: It's about living into that because...
1: So that we actually experience it. Because can, you can tell me that I've been set free and I will have no experience of it. <laughs> right? I mean, that's yeah, real. Sure. Yeah.
0: So it it, it does take work.
1: Mm-hmm. It does require our free will. It does require our agency.
0: I, I would put it differently. Okay, um,
1: how would you put it? I,
0: I think it's about receiving the agency of God. Mm. And and when we receive when we receive that divine agency that lies at the core of our being we get to be agents like we do get to act we do get to do things that matter Mm -hmm. and all the while knowing that i am gonna screw stuff up and none of it changes my worthiness rather I I am worthy because I am bothering to receive my worthiness,
1: mm-hmm.
0: and so that's how I experience my worthiness. But I'm worthy, yeah, because God says I am, right? Because God yeah. sees me.
1: So we are worthy, and we are set free. That's a given.
0: That's a given.
1: Whether it's to be lived into. It's to, right. We are to be. We are to live into it. It. It is. So. So why do some of us experience it and some of us don't?
0: That's a great question. The short answer would be. Some of us let ourselves experience it. Mm-hmm. And if we're not experiencing it. There may be something that we're not aware, something that's flying in our blind spot that's keep us keeping us from experiencing it, mm-hmm. and just to be honest,
1: we're all different. We are all different
0: We're not all going to experience being set free in the same way
1: mm-hmm.
0: for some of us, I mean, I think back to Mother Teresa, she said it was hard the whole my all my life
1: mm-hmm.
0: Never really experienced it, yeah, and yet we we hail her as a saint mm-hmm. and we try to emulate her life mm-hmm. and and she's someone who said she never quite felt the spirit, yeah, so it's different for all of us yeah and and thanks be to God for those who remind us and have an easier time reminding us that we've already been set free, Mm -hmm. God is with you, Mm -hmm. and you are loved, you do matter, you are worthy. Because for some of us it's harder. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Hmm. Well, this is giving me a lot to think about. <laughs> a lot, a lot to continue to ponder and wonder about for sure.
0: Well, and and just to um, tie up one loose end, I think this comes back to what you were talking about with Lazarus. I think part of it, part of experiencing it, is having other people constantly remind us.
1: Yes. I mean, and and I. I think that is one of the reasons why I continue to need church. yeah is I need to be reminded on a regular basis, in a variety of different ways, within a sense of community mm-hmm. of these of these very things.
0: So if you're listening, you are worthy, you are loved, you are seen, because that's who God is.
1: And you've already been set free.
0: Already set free. There is only to live into it.
1: With, with with joy and wonder.
0: And with others.
1: Yeah. Well, I think that most of the joy and wonder part comes from with others.
0: Sure. I think there's a great deal of truth to that. Mm-hmm. So as a reminder, you can join us for any of these conversations in Scripture on Sunday mornings in the parish hall at 915. Um, As you can tell, we're taking a different way of looking at Scripture, relationship-based reading, where we actually explore more of the dynamics going on in Scripture and how these open our own hearts and lives to each other and to what the Spirit is doing in our midst.
1: And tonight, please join us for Tools of Aliveness at 5 p.m. in the Parish Hall here at Church of the Ascension. Uh, Reverend Dory Pratt, who's an Episcopal priest in town, who's also taught gentle yoga for over 20 years, will be with us to lead us through some gentle yoga and then discuss how meaningful um, the practice of yoga has been to her faith and spiritual life, get us thinking about how the practice of yoga may open up something in our own Hmm. um, spiritual lives and faith. And then next Saturday, Saturday, March 4th, we'll be offering a mini retreat. So the first hour and a half or so will be a book study based on the book, The Wisdom of Your Body by Hillary McBride. It is a fabulous read. Even if you don't have time to read it and are intrigued about the book, I encourage you to join us. Then the second hour and a half will be led by a local yoga instructor, Mary June Thompson, who's the owner of Breezeway Yoga Studio. She'll lead us through an hour and a half of restorative yoga so that we have some experience of dropping in to the wisdom of our bodies. We won't just talk about it. We'll get to live it too. So please go to www.spiritusknox.com to register for the mini retreat. Um, it's only $20 for to cover the cost for having Mary June with us us.
0: That's great. And on Sunday, March fifth at five p.m., we will have our annual Absalom Jones service here in Ascension, and uh, we are blessed to have the Reverend Doctor Charles Lomax with us to be our guest preacher. And we'll also have members of the Berea College Black Music Ensemble um, here to provide music, along with other guest musicians. It is a service not to be missed, and we hope that you will uh, join us for that wonderful celebration of Absalom Jones, the first African-American priest ordained in the Episcopal Church. Again, March 5th, 5 p.m.